as we continue our series on thanksgiving, on, on gratitude. Um, today we'll be in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 18. However, before we begin, let's pray um, that God would open up our hearts and our minds. Lord God, we thank you that we can come to you. You are indeed gracious and you are good. You see us as we are, as finite creatures, while you are infinite, transcendent, and eternal. And yet you condescend to us to reach us where we're at, to sit with us, to teach us, that we might become more like you. Open up our hearts, open up our minds. Help us to grow in and through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Martin Luther, um, a titan of the Protestant Reformation, for all intents and purposes, like the beginning of the Protestant Reformation, or at least its encapsulation, um, was a titan of theology um, and would start a movement that would completely shape and form not only the church, but the world. That titan of the faith, that titan of the church, on his deathbed, um, expresses his last words, Wir sind Betzler, hoc est virum. Wir sind Betzler is German for we are beggars. Hoc est virum is Latin, for this is true. We are beggars, this is true. A contemporary of Luther, in a sense on the opposite side, um, is Ignatius of Loyola, one of the catalysts for the Catholic Counter-Reformation. Um, a theological titan in his own right, and who would push forward a movement with his Jesuit order that would completely shape the church and the world as well. That theological titan who had volumes of, of work is known actually for a short three-word phrase. All is gift. Both Luther and Ignatius would have looked back to another titan, one who would be the establishment of Western Christianity as we know, whether you're Catholic, whether you're Protestant, we look to this one guy, Augustine of Hippo. He would be the basis for theology going forward from the fourth and fifth century. And the way we do church now, the way we view scriptures now as a church in the West, as a church in America, is based largely on his writings. That titan of the faith is known for saying this, Oh my God, let me remember and with gratitude confess to thee thy mercies toward me. These titans of the faith were holding on to an ancient truth that, 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 that precluded um, Luther and Ignatius in the, in the 16th century, that went before Augustine in the, the 4th and the 5th century, to an ancient truth that is found in today's passage. Today, we're in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 18, to kind of set the stage where we're at. Jesus has already set his face toward Jerusalem. Um, he, he, he's already going in that direction for the triumphal entry, for, for the Last Supper, for his mock trial, for his um, death, his, for his crucifixion, his death of resurrection. He, he's going toward that. So he's coming down from Galilee. And he's kind of straddling between Galilee and Samaria. And he reaches this town. In this town, he meets ten lepers. Ten lepers who stood at a distance. Today, leprosy um, is still present. It's still around, but it's, it's not near as a big deal as it was in the scriptures. Um, leprosy, even today, is still uncurable. 
um, but it is treatable, whereas back then it was neither curable or treatable. Leprosy was a disease, um, actually a host of different uh, skin diseases um, that had their different quirks and different marks, but one common strain of, of leprosy was that it attacked your peripheral nervous system. So you have your central nervous system, you know, and then you got your peripheral nervous system that goes to your limbs. And the disease would actually attack those nerves so that you would be numb to pain, which, I mean, thinking about it, it's like, okay, what's so problematic about that? Well, pain in a lot of ways is, is a good thing because it tells you, it tells your body that something is hurting you. But if you don't know something is hurting you, it just continues to harm you. And so what would usually happen is that you would have leprosy and, and your limbs would go numb to pain and you might cut your, cut your foot and you wouldn't feel it. So you wouldn't know it. And you would be wearing sandals, you'd be walking around outside, there'd be dust or dirt, there's mud, and your foot would get infected and open itself up to even more disease. After a while, you would develop sores across your body and your body would literally rot you would fall apart until you died. It was a form, it was considered a form of, of divine disfavor, as if, as, as if you've done something wrong and therefore God is punishing you with a death sentence. It, it was a disease of intense isolation. The moment you were found to have leprosy, you were removed from your home, removed from your family, your friends, your community, and forced to live outside of the town. But as we've seen it with COVID, we're not meant to live alone. We're meant to live with one another. And so lepers tended to, to congregate into camps or into colonies, and you might have a dozen or two dozen lepers who would live together and who would commiserate in their suffering and would be with one another as the time went, as they fell apart and as they died. And so these ten lepers might have been their own camp, and they, and they, they come to Jesus and, and, and as lepers, they stand afar off. Actually, lepers, according to the cultural law, would have had to shout out, unclean, 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 as they approach the town so that everybody could, could get away in a sense. And they cry out to Christ. They cry out this. They say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Let me ask, let me ask you these two questions. Um, one, why did they cry out for mercy? Two, why did they call him master? Jesus, have mercy on us. Why didn't they just say, look, we have leprosy, heal us, or make the leprosy go away, or make us whole, make us clean again? Also, why did they call him master? I mean, Jesus at this point was known as an incredible healer. He was known as a fantastic teacher. Um, but at the end of the day, he was uh, a poor stone carpenter turned traveling rabbi who hung out with fishermen, um, tax collectors, and prostitutes. Like, that's what he was. But they call him master. And it's, it's a particular word here, master. This word is used earlier in the Gospel of Luke, in the story of Jesus calming the sea. So, kind of switching over to, to that story. Jesus has just had a long day of teaching and preaching, and he's tired, and so he gets in the boat, and he's just like, hey, let's just go in the middle of the lake, and we can relax out there. And so they go in the middle of the lake with the disciples, and he falls asleep at the bottom of the boat. 
And then a storm rushes in, a storm that, I mean, these hardened fishermen had never seen in their lives. So they're freaking out. They're bailing out water. They're fearing that their boats are going to capsize, that they're going to drown. And Jesus is still asleep at the bottom of the boat. And so they wake up Jesus. The storm doesn't wake up Jesus. They wake up Jesus, the disciples did. And what do they say? They say, Master, do you not care that we are perishing. Master, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. These are actually parallel thoughts. In a way, they say the same exact thing. They are saying, do you not care that we are perishing? Have mercy on us. It's the reality that we can't do anything. We are trying all that we can to survive this storm, but the reality is we're going we're to capsize, we're going to fall in this water, and we're going to die. We're, gonna, we're perishing. For, for the lepers is, look, we have leprosy. We are going to the grave. It's just a matter of time. We cannot do anything about our situation. What's going on? And then the word master here is... The thought is brought forward with the Apostle Paul in, in the letter to the, the, the Colossians when, when Paul talks about Christ being, you know, all things are created by him and for him and all, and all things hold together by him. He is the master. He is in control. And not only is Christ in control, but everything is fully dependent upon Christ. The atoms in our universe, if Christ didn't hold them together, if they would fall apart. They are dependent upon Christ. Our bodies, our, our muscles, our tendons, our ligaments, our skin holds together because Christ holds it together. We are fully dependent upon the one who is in control. And so they come and say, have mercy on us. Do you not care that we are perishing? So what does Jesus do? Does Jesus say, okay, be healed and poof, you know, leprosy goes away. No, he, he, he says, go and see the priest. Now, in, in Levitical law, in the, in the Mosaic law, in the Old Testament, if, if you had leprosy and somehow, some way um, became well again, right, which was incredibly, incredibly rare, but you became well again. Once you were well again, you had to go to a priest to be examined by the priest before you could re-enter the community. So I, from isolation to examination to re-entering the community. To which, I mean, if I, was, if I was one of the lepers, I'd be looking at myself like, but I'm still leprous. Like, <laughs> I'm not well yet. Um, but they go, go, go ahead and do it because, you know, what, what do we have to lose? And so, and so they go, and, and as they go, they're cleansed. It, it's kind of like, so they're, they're walking and trying to figure out wh which way to get to the priest. And they're like, maybe we should go down this road. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's shorter, but there are a lot of crowds, so we might have, be, have to shout out unclean, unclean the whole way. Or we go the longer way, and there are less crowds, so we don't have to deal with that. And, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out, and one guy's just like, I think we should go this way, this this and somebody's like what's up timothy he's like i have all my fingers like 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 i don't have any sores anymore barnabas yeah i'm just using any biblical name i can find out barnabas you have your foot again yeah i don't have my sores and they're made well and so 
they go to the priest, but this one Samaritan, this one Samaritan runs back to Christ. And, and the scriptures are so beautiful because think about this. So, so let's say you're Jesus and disciples, you get to this town and all you hear is at first is unclean, unclean, unclean as, as, as the, the lepers um, approach. Now you're standing there, Jesus and disciples, and now you're hearing the praises of God, the praises of God, the praises of God as the Samaritan comes and he worships at Christ's feet. And so Jesus asks, we're not 10 cleansed, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now at this point, um, I kind of want to reframe how this is usually set up. Usually this is set up as the nine Jewish lepers did it wrong and this one Samaritan um, leper did it right. And and I don't think that's, um, I don't think that's actually the point. Um, For one, uh, the Samaritan, even if he went to the priest and was examined, he wouldn't be able to enter into the Jewish community because he's not Jewish. (laughs) So he could have gone to the priest and the priest like, yeah, okay, you're, you're, you're better. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you get to go to the synagogue. (laughs) Um, So it, it wouldn't have mattered. Two, um, with, the ni- with, with all ten of them, what did Jesus actually command? Jesus commanded them, go see the priest. And so they went to the priest. Um, before they could enter, re-enter the community and, and see their families and their friends and be able to celebrate you know, Passover and the feasts that were coming up, what did they have to do? They had to go to the priests. So what did they do? Probably, they went to the priest. So in the end, these nine... These nine did good. They did right. They obeyed Jesus. So the, the reality is it's not that of, of, of they had did it wrong and this one did it right. It's they did good, but this Samaritan chose the better way. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like Mary and and Martha. Um, in the scriptures, you, you have Mary and Martha who are, who are friends of the disciples and of Jesus and have um, disciples and Jesus over for supper. And, and, Ma- and Martha is all about like cleaning up the place and, and making sure all the food is ready and so forth. And Mary instead is, is sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to him teach which was kind of a cultural no-no, but she was there doing it. And so Martha looks at that and she goes over to Jesus, doesn't even address her sister, by the way, and points at Jesus and said, Jesus, can you get my sister to help me out? Like making all this food, cleaning, like I'm doing all this stuff. And Jesus doesn't chide her. Jesus actually says, look, Martha, you've done good. Like all this stuff is incredible. Thank you so much. You've done good. But Mary's chosen the better way. And this is what the, the, the Samaritan leper did. He chose the better way. He actually expressed the full um, extent of the ancient truth that we were talking about earlier. And so what is that ancient truth? Okay, you've been talking about the ancient truth. What is the ancient truth? So often we want to come to Christ as the rich young ruler, or sometimes not even consciously. We kind of just do it. Um, we want to come to Christ with what we have. Like, I am rich, I'm young, I'm a ruler. Or we come to try, to try to come to Christ as if, as the ruler did with, look, I've obeyed the entire law since my youth. I have done all these different things. We want to come with what we have to hold up 
to the master, the one who's in control of all things. But the reality is, we actually come to Christ as these lepers. That is how we come. We come to Christ as those who, who have no means of helping themselves, who, who, who can't even feel the pain of that which they do to themselves. We, we come as the lepers who are in their rags, who, who as Scripture says, you know, all our righteousness is, is as filthy rags before God. The thought is, of, of the actual wording is actually pus-filled rags, which connotates the idea of, of leprous rags. We come as those who cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us because we cannot do this on our own. We can't change the situation. We can't change ourselves. We are perishing. Don't you care? But we are surprised when we find that the one we come to is actually willing to heal us, when the one we come to is willing to give. Because gratitude and thankfulness is not based on that which we have, but the reality that someone is willing to give. And so this is where the, the, the nine stop. They realize who they are coming before Christ and say, we can't change this. Christ, have mercy on us. We are fully dependent upon your goodness and your grace. And then we are surprised in, 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 in what Christ can do and in the healing he can provide and the reality that he can give. And this is where the nine stop. And that is good. Why? Because, because God wants us to enjoy that gift that he has given us. They are able to go back to their families, their friends. They're able to, to, to go back to the synagogue, to, to put forward their sacrifices, to, to celebrate the Passover, the feasts with their family and their friends. But this Samaritan... The Samaritan comes back to Christ, thanking him. So like, so, so the ancient truth is this, like Luther, we are beggars, this is true. With Ignatius, therefore, we see since we're fully dependent upon Christ, that all in life is a gift. But the full encapsulation, the, the, the full extent of thankfulness is found in this. Oh my God, let me remember and with gratitude confess to thee thy mercies toward me. Friends, let, let us seek out the better. Let us not merely understand where we are coming from. Let us not merely situate ourselves in enjoying that which is good, but go to the one who is the giver. so that we can hold on to the ancient truth that Luther, Ignatius, and Augustine held on to, the truth that the Samaritan held on to. Let us pray. God, you are indeed gracious and good. You are merciful to us. You see us as we truly are, those who are needy, those who are isolated, those who are falling apart, those who are perishing, those who are broken. And we cry out to you, Master, don't you see we're perishing? Don't you care? Please have mercy. And we are surprised when we find that you are willing to give. If you're not, with, if you're not willing to even withhold your only son, what will you withhold from your people? But help us to go a step further and to say, Lord God, thank you. 
because more than just that which we have, you are willing to give. So help us to remember. Help us to remember and to, to confess to each other, to confess to you, to confess even to ourselves that your mercies are new, that your mercies are every day. So we give you all praise and glory and honor. Help us not to just sit with the good, but go forward to the better way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.